Chapter One of Book Two of Eudemian Ethics by Aristotle, translated by J. Solomon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Chapter One. After this, let us start from a new beginning and speak about what follows from it. All goods are either outside or in the soul, and of these those in the soul are more desirable. This distinction we make even in our popular discussions, for prudence, virtue, and pleasure are in the soul, and some or all of these seem to all to be the end. But of the contents of the soul, some are states or faculties, others activities and movements. Let this then be assumed, and also that virtue is the best state or condition or faculty of all things that have a use and work. This is clear by induction, for in all cases we lay this down, e.g. a garment has an excellence, for it has a work and use, and the best state of the garment is its excellence. Similarly, a vessel, house, or anything else has an excellence. Therefore, so also has the soul, for it has a work. And let us assume that the better state has the better work. And as the states are to one another, so let us assume the corresponding works to be to one another. And the work of anything is its end. It is clear, therefore, from this, that the work is better than the state, for the end is best, as being end for we assume the best, the final stage, to be the end for the sake of which all else exists. That the work, then, is better than the state or condition is plain. But work has two senses, for some things have a work beyond mere employment, as architecture has a house, and not the act of building, medicine, health, and not the act of curing and restoring to health, while the work of other things is just their employment, e.g., of vision, seeing, and of mathematical science, contemplation. Hence, necessarily, in those whose work is their employment, the employment is more valuable than the state. Having made these distinctions, we say that the work of a thing is also the work of its excellence, only not in the same sense, e.g., a shoe is the work both of the art of cobbling and of the action of cobbling. If, then, the art of cobbling and the good cobbler have an excellence, their work is a good shoe, and similarly with everything else. Further, let the work of the soul be to produce living, this consisting in employment and being awake, for slumber is a sort of inactivity and rest. Therefore, since the work must be one and the same both for the soul and for its excellence, the work of the excellence of the soul would be a good life. This, then, is the complete good, which, as we saw, was happiness. And it is clear from our assumptions, for these were that happiness was the best of things, and ends and the best goods were in the soul, and it is itself either a state or an activity, since the activity is better than the state, and the best activity than the best state, and virtue is the best state, that the activity of the virtue of the soul 
is the best thing but happiness we saw was the best of things therefore happiness is the activity of a good soul but since happiness was something complete and living is either complete or incomplete and so also virtue one virtue being a whole the other a part and the activity of what is incomplete is itself incomplete therefore happiness would be the activity of a complete life in accordance with complete virtue and that we have rightly stated its genus and definition common opinions prove for to do well and to live well is held to be identical with being happy but each of these living and doing is an employment an activity for the practical life is one of using or employing e g the smith produces a bridle the good horseman uses it we find confirmation also in the common opinion that we cannot ascribe happiness to an existence of a single day or to a child or to each of the ages of life and therefore solon's advice holds good never to congratulate a man when living but only when his life is ended for nothing incomplete is happy not being whole further praise is given to virtue because of its actions but to actions something higher than praise the encomium and we crown the actual conquerors not those who have the power to conquer but do not actually conquer further our judging the character of a man by his acts is a confirmation further why is happiness not praised surely because other things are praised owing to this either by their having reference to it or by their being parts of it therefore felicitation praise and encomium differ for encomium is discourse relative to the particular act praise declares the general nature of the man but felicitation is for the end this clears up the difficulty sometimes raised why for half their lives the good are no better than the bad for all are alike when asleep the cause is that sleep is an inactivity not an activity of the soul therefore even if there is some other part of the soul e g the vegetative its excellence is not a part of entire virtue any more than the excellence of the body is for in sleep the vegetative part is more active while the perceptive and the appetitive are incomplete in sleep but as far as they do to some extent partake of movement even the visions of the good are better than those of the bad except so far as they are caused by disease or bodily defect after this we must consider the soul for virtue belongs to the soul and essentially so but since we are looking for human virtue let it be assumed that the parts of the soul partaking of reason are two but that they partake not in the same way but the one by its natural tendency to command the other by its natural tendency to obey and listen if there is a part without reason in some other sense let it be disregarded it makes no difference whether the soul is divisible or indivisible so long as it has different faculties namely those mentioned above just as in the curved we have unseparated the concave and the convex or again the straight and the white yet the straight is not white except incidentally and is not the same in essence we also neglect any other part of the soul that there may be 
e g the vegetative for the above-mentioned parts are peculiar to the human soul therefore the virtues of the nutritive part that concerned with growth are not those of man for if we speak of him qua man he must have the power of reasoning a governing principle moral action but reason governs not reason but desire and the passions he must then have these parts and just as general good condition of the body is compounded of the partial excellences so also the excellence of the soul qua end but of virtue or excellence there are two species the moral and the intellectual for we praise not only the just but also the intelligent and the wise for we assumed that what is praiseworthy is either the virtue or its act and these are not activities but have activities but since the intellectual virtues involve reason they belong to that rational part of the soul which governs the soul by its possession of reason while the moral belong to the part which is irrational but by its nature obedient to the part possessing reason for we do not describe the character of a man by saying that he is wise or clever but by saying that he is gentle or bold after this we must first consider moral virtue its nature its parts for our inquiry has been forced back on this and how it is produced we must make our search as all do in other things they search having something to start with so here by means of true but indistinct judgments we must try to attain to what is true and distinct for we are now in the condition of one who describes health as the best condition of the body or coriscos as the darkest man in the market-place for what either of these is we do not know but yet for the attainment of knowledge of either it is worth while to be in this condition first then let it be laid down that the best state is produced by the best means and that with regard to everything the best is done from the excellence of that thing e g the exercises and food are best which produce a good condition of body and from such a condition men best perform exercises further that every condition is produced and destroyed by some sort of application of the same things e g health from food exercises and weather this is clear from induction virtue too then is that sort of condition which is produced by the best movements in the soul and from which are produced the soul's best works and feelings and by the same things if they happen in one way it is produced but if they happen in another it is destroyed the employment of virtue is relative to the same things by which it is increased and destroyed and it puts us in the best attitude towards them a proof that both virtue and vice are concerned with the pleasant and the painful is that punishment being cure and operating through opposites as the cure does in everything else acts through these chapter two that moral virtue then is concerned with the pleasant and the painful is clear but since the character being as its name indicates something that grows by habit and that which is under guidance other than innate is trained to a habit by frequent movement of a particular kind is the active principle present after this process but in things inanimate we do not see this for even if you throw a stone upwards ten thousand times 
it will never go upward except by compulsion consider then character to be this viz a quality in accordance with governing reason belonging to the irrational part of the soul which is yet able to obey the reason now we have to state in respect of what part of the soul we have character of this or that kind it will be in respect of the faculties of passion in virtue of which men are spoken of as subject to passion and in respect of the habits in virtue of which men are described in reference to those passions either as feeling them in some way or as not feeling them after this comes the division made in previous discussions into the passions faculties and habits by passions i mean such as anger fear shame sensual desire in general all that is usually followed of itself by sensuous pleasure or pain quality does not depend on these they are merely experienced but on the faculties by faculty i mean that in virtue of which men who act from their passions are called after them e g are called irascible insensible amorous bashful shameless and habits are the causes through which these faculties belong to us either in a reasonable way or the opposite e g bravery temperance cowardice intemperance chapter three after these distinctions we must notice that in everything continuous and divisible there is excess deficiency and the mean and these in relation to one another or in relation to us e g in the gymnastic or medical arts in those of building and navigation and in any sort of action alike scientific and non-scientific skilled and unskilled for motion is continuous and action is motion in all the mean in relation to us is the best for this is as knowledge and reason direct us and this everywhere also makes the best habit this is clear both by induction and by reasoning for opposites destroy one another and extremes are opposite both to one another and to the mean for the mean is to either extreme the other extreme e g the equal is greater to the less but less to the greater therefore moral virtue must have to do with the mean and be a sort of mediety we must then notice what sort of mediety virtue is and about what sort of means let each be taken from the list by way of illustration and studied irascibility lack of feeling gentleness audacity cowardice bravery shamelessness shyness modesty intemperance insensibility temperance envy unnamed righteous indignation gain loss the just lavishness meanness liberality boastfulness self-depreciation sincerity habit of flattery habit of dislike friendliness servility stubbornness dignity luxuriousness 
submission to evils endurance vanity meanness of spirit greatness of spirit extravagance pettiness magnificence cunning simplicity prudence these and similar are the passions that occur in the soul they receive their names some from being excesses some from being defects for the irascible is one who is angry more than he ought to be and more quickly and with more people than he ought the unfeeling is deficient in regard to persons occasions and manner the man who fears neither what nor when nor as he ought is confident the man who fears what he ought not and on the wrong occasions and in the wrong manner is cowardly so intemperate is the name for one prone to sensual desire and exceeding in all possible ways while he who is deficient and does not feel desire even so far as is good for him and in accordance with nature but is as much without feeling as a stone is insensible the man who makes profit from any source is greedy of gain the man who makes it from none or perhaps few is a waster the braggart is one who pretends to more than he possesses the self-depreciator is one who pretends to less the man who is more ready than is proper to join in praise is a flatterer the man who is less ready is prone to dislike to act in everything so as to give another pleasure is servility but to give pleasure seldom and reluctantly is stubbornness further one who can endure no pain even if it is good for him is luxurious one who can endure all pain alike has no name literally applicable to him but by metaphor is called hard patient or ready of submission the vain man is he who thinks himself worthy of more than he is while the poor-spirited thinks himself worthy of less further the lavish is he who exceeds the mean is he who is deficient in every sort of expenditure similar are the stingy and the purse-proud the latter exceeds what is fitting the former falls short of it the rogue aims at gain in any way and from any source the simple not even from the right source a man is envious in feeling pain at the sight of prosperity more often than he ought for even those who deserve prosperity cause when prosperous pain to the envious the opposite character has not so definite a name he is one who shows excess in not grieving even at the prosperity of the undeserving but accepts all as gluttons accept all food while his opposite is impatient through envy it is superfluous to add to the definition that the particular relations to each thing should not be accidental for no art theoretical or productive uses such additions to its definitions in speech or action the addition is merely directed against logical quibbles against the arts take the above then as simple definitions which will be made more accurate when we speak of the opposite habits but of these states themselves there are species with names differing according as the excess is in time in degree or in the object provoking the state e g one is quick-tempered through feeling anger quicker than one ought 
irascible and passionate through feeling it more acrid through one's tendency to retain one's anger violent and abusive through the punishments one inflicts from anger epicures gluttons drunkards are so named from having a tendency contrary to reason to indulgence in one or the other kind of nutriment nor must we forget that some of the faults mentioned cannot be taken to depend on the manner of action if manner means excess of passion e g the adulterer is not so called from his excessive intercourse with married women excess is inapplicable here but the act is simply in itself wicked the passion and its character are expressed in the same word similarly with outrage hence men dispute the liability of their actions to be called by these names they say that they had intercourse but did not commit adultery for they acted ignorantly or by compulsion or that they gave a blow but committed no outrage and so they defend themselves against all other similar charges chapter four having got so far we must next say that since there are two parts of the soul the virtues are divided correspondingly those of the rational part being the intellectual whose function is truth whether about a thing's nature or genesis while the others belong to the part irrational but appetitive for not any and every part of the soul supposing it to be divisible is appetitive necessarily then the character must be bad or good by its pursuit or avoidance of certain pleasures and pains this is clear from our classification of the passions powers and states for the powers and states are powers and states of the passions and the passions are distinguished by pain and pleasure so that for these reasons and also because of our previous propositions it follows that all moral virtue has to do with pleasures and pains for by whatever things a soul tends to become better or worse it is with regard to and in relation to these things that it finds pleasure but we say men are bad through pleasures and pains either by the pursuit and avoidance of improper pleasures or pains or by their pursuit in an improper way therefore all readily define the virtues as insensibility or immobility as regards pleasures and pains and vices as constituted by the opposites of these chapter five but since we have assumed that virtue is that sort of habit from which men have a tendency to do the best actions and through which they are in the best disposition towards what is best and best is what is in accordance with right reason and this is the mean between excess and defect relative to us it would follow that moral virtue is a mean relative to each individual himself and is concerned with certain means in pleasures and pains in the pleasant and the painful the mean will sometimes be in pleasures for there too is excess in defect sometimes in pains sometimes in both for he who is excessive in his feeling of delight exceeds in the pleasant but he who exceeds in his feeling of pain in the painful and this either absolutely or with reference to some standard e g when he differs from the majority of men but the good man feels as he ought 
but since there is a habit in consequence of which its possessor will in some cases admit the excess in others the defect of the same thing it follows that as these acts are opposed to one another and to the mean so the habits will also be opposed to one another and to virtue it happens however that sometimes all these oppositions will be clearer sometimes those on the side of excess sometimes those on the side of defect and the reason of the difference is that the unlikeness or likeness to the mean is not always of the same kind but in one case one might change quicker from the excess to the middle habit sometimes from the defect and the person further distant seems more opposed e g in regard to the body excess in exercise is healthier than defect and nearer to the mean but in food defect is healthier than excess and so of those states of will which tend to training now some now others will show a greater tendency to health in case of the two acts of choice now those good at work now those good at abstemiousness and he who is opposed to the moderate and the reasonable will be the man who avoids exercise not both and in the case of food the self-indulgent man not the man who starves himself and the reason is that from the start our nature does not diverge in the same way from the mean as regards all things we are less inclined to exercise and more inclined to indulgence so it is too with regard to the soul we regard then as the habit opposed to the mean that towards which both our faults and men in general are more inclined the other extreme as though not existent escapes our notice being unperceived because of its rarity thus we oppose anger to gentleness and the irascible to the gentle yet there is also excess in the direction of gentleness and readiness to be reconciled and the repression of anger when one is struck but the men prone to this are few and all incline more to the opposite extreme there is none of the spirit of reconciliation in anger and since we have reached a list of the habits in regard to the several passions with their excesses and defects and the opposite habits in virtue of which men are as right reason directs them to be what right reason is and with an eye to what standard we are to fix the mean must be considered later it is clear that all the moral virtues and vices have to do with excesses and defects of pleasures and pains and that pleasures and pains arise from the above-mentioned habits and passions but the best habit is that which is the mean in respect of each class of things it is clear then that all or at least some of the virtues will be connected with means chapter six let us then take another starting point for the succeeding inquiry every substance is by nature a sort of principle therefore each can produce many similar to itself as man man animals in general animals and plants plants but in addition to this man alone of animals is also the source of certain actions for no other animal would be said to act such principles which are primary sources of movements are called principles in the strict sense and most properly such as have necessary results god is doubtless a principle of this kind 
the strict sense of principle is not to be found among principles without movement e g those of mathematics though by analogy we use the name there also for there too if the principle should change practically all that is proved from it would alter but its consequences do not change themselves one being destroyed by another except by destroying the assumption and by its refutation proving the truth but man is the source of a kind of movement for action is movement but since as elsewhere the source or principle is the cause of all that exists or arises through it we must take the same view as in demonstrations for if supposing the triangle to have its angles equal to two right angles the quadrilateral must have them equal to four right angles it is clear that the property of the triangle is the cause of this last and if the triangle should change then so must the quadrilateral having six right angles if the triangle has three and eight if it has four but if the former does not change but remains as it was before so must the quadrilateral the necessity of what we are endeavouring to show is clear from the analytics at present we can neither affirm nor deny anything with precision except just this supposing there were no further cause for the triangles having the above property then the triangle would be a sort of principle or cause of all that comes later so that if anything existent may have the opposite to its actual qualities so of necessity may its principles for what results from the necessary is necessary but the results of the contingent might be the opposite of what they are what depends on men themselves forms a great portion of contingent matters and men themselves are the sources of such contingent results so that it is clear that all the acts of which man is the principal and controller may either happen or not happen and that their happening or not happening those at least of whose existence or non-existence he has the control depends on him but of what it depends on him to do or not to do he is himself the cause and what he is the cause of depends on him and since virtue and vice and the acts that spring from them are respectively praised or blamed for we do not praise or blame for what is due to necessity or chance or nature but only for what we ourselves are causes of for what another is the cause of for that he bears the blame or praise it is clear that virtue and vice have to do with matters where the man himself is the cause and source of his acts we must then ascertain of what actions he is himself the source and cause now we all admit that of acts that are voluntary and done from the deliberate choice of each man he is the cause but of involuntary acts he is not himself the cause and all that he does from deliberate choice he clearly does voluntarily it is clear then that virtue and vice have to do with voluntary acts end of chapter six of book two recording in memory of mitchell edwards